It is a blessing to have you guys with us, and I I don't know about you guys, but um, I got to do something. I don't always get to participate in Sunday school, uh, but I got to today with a a group and got to hear uh, six different individuals share their testimony of coming to Christ, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to be in church this morning just to be able to celebrate God's goodness and His faithfulness, and uh, it's interesting as I, I listened to those testimonies this morning, Um, Each one had a different story, and uh, there's a part of us that thinks that it always has to look exactly the same, but it really doesn't. The reality is God moves in different ways in different people's lives, and sometimes He takes us down paths that we would never choose for ourselves to get us to that point. But God's greatest desire is that we would be brought into a right relationship with Him. And today I am encouraged just because I've been able to hear of others who have experienced Christ in their own unique way. Uh, And I celebrate that and I hope that you do as well. I want to begin a series this morning that is going to actually focus a little bit on uh, the way God wants us to connect to Him and to the church and to the world around us. God is very much concerned with uh, His people, and we are a part of His people. He desires a personal relationship with each of us. You know, when we have family, there are things that we get excited about, and of course, a big part of that is we love seeing our people, our family, experience great joy. Uh, This Christmas was a great time for my family. For me, the highlight is always watching the kids as they open up presents. Now, my kids in particular, each one of them is very different. Uh, my oldest son, Andrew, everything he wants is very expensive. I don't understand why that is. I think it may just be because he's 17. Uh, my daughter wants all this girly stuff, all this makeup and stuff. And I look at that and I think, well, you don't need that until you're 16. So I'm not sure why you need it at the age of 11. Uh, and then there's my littlest son, Michael. Um, His big thing is Legos, and he loves Legos, and uh, to watch his face light up when he got his Legos on Christmas morning, of course, there's all this excitement that comes with it. Um, Legos have changed over the years. Legos are something that we used to play with. I know me, I say we, I assume the rest of you as well. I used to play with them a lot when I was young. Actually, uh, they have changed tremendously, though. When, when we played with them as kids, what we got was basically uh, a box or whatever, a tub full of these rectangular blocks. Uh, they were very plain. There, there weren't any instructions. It depended on you being creative. Today, they come in these kits, and you have to follow instructions. Who wants to follow instructions? I would much rather just make something that I think it should be. So uh, it has changed a lot. Now, I will tell you, there are some really cool ideas that people have come up with, and they're not always just because they were in a box. I actually went online and found some pictures of some of the different creations that people have come up with of uh, Legos, and I want you to see a few of them. Now, this one is... It's really just for all the Star Wars nerds, because I know that there are some of those in here. So I put, I see at least one in the back raising their hand. That's the first amen I've ever gotten out of Judy. Um, 
Anyways, uh, so this one's more just uh, uh, for the Star Wars fans. This is one that comes from a kit, by the way. Uh, the next one, this is not a kit. Someone has built a large castle. Actually, I found another picture of this where someone is standing beside it. This castle probably would have taken up this front section of the stage. To me, that's amazing. Uh, the next one... This is a stadium, a soccer stadium. Again, this was actually even larger than the castle that you just saw. Uh, to me, it's amazing the detail that comes along with that. Uh, the next one, this is a life-size Ford Mustang that is made with Legos. That is amazing. It probably doesn't even run, but that's not the point. So, uh, and the next, actually, you can see it's a battleship. You see that guy? That is a full-grown adult, uh, even though he's playing with Legos still. Uh, that is a full-grown adult. Uh, that is impressive that he could do that. And I think that there's... There, this one's just for all you Tiger fans. Uh, this is uh, obviously a, a tiger that is made of Legos. Man, there are some really creative ideas that are out there that individuals are able to do. I am not as creative as the artists who made all of these different uh, creations, but I can still enjoy putting things together with Legos, and I do enjoy doing stuff like that. One of the things that makes these blocks work so well together is that each one naturally connects with another one. Uh, they are designed to work correctly when they're able to connect with one another so that it's... You guys ever been to Dairy Queen? They give you the... Uh, what's the... the uh, the blizzard, yes, apparently someone's been. Um, and they give it to you and they turn it upside down and they want to show you that everything holds together. Uh, well, you know what? This holds together now because that's the way that this was made to be put together so they could work together. You know, each year uh, at Trinity, we have tried to focus on one specific idea. Uh, and the theme that we're going to use for this year is to connect. And I believe today that God desires for us to connect uh, at least in three separate ways, and I just want to touch on these real briefly. First of all, I believe that God desires that we would connect with God. Uh, his greatest desire is to have a personal relationship with you and with me. Uh, God longs for obedient people, but more than that, He longs for people who love Him. He loves us more than anything we could ever imagine. And he simply desires for us to respond with the same kind of love back to him. Uh, so the first thing that we believe God really desires us to do is to connect with him. We also believe very clearly that God desires for us to connect with the body of Christ. Uh, there are individuals that, man, there are times that they have needs and the only place where they're going to be able to turn is to the body of Christ. Individuals who will love on them and support them. There'll be times that you will be the one who has an incredible need. And it's going to be the body of Christ that is able to stand alongside you and help you. I know from a personal perspective, there were times growing up where I was incredibly grateful for the church and the role that they played. Um, my mom did a fantastic job. And those of you who you have uh, been here for a long time before my mom moved here, you guys can tell her later that I really did talk good about her before she came. Um, 
But my mom worked really, really hard to be there for us all the time. But one of the things that I loved was she didn't have to do it by herself. There were other people who came alongside as well. I don't know that I ever played in a football game growing up where my mom sat in the stands by herself because there were always other people that were there. Uh, there were times that we would do really dumb things as kids, and she had a place where she could turn. I remember uh, me and my brother getting into a disagreement and him locking himself in the bathroom um, and me being a young, dumb kid kicked my foot through the door of the bathroom. And as soon as I did that, the fight was over because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I am in so much trouble. And I remember that afternoon when my mom got home from work, I wanted to meet her at the door so that I could be the one to tell her because I thought it would sound better coming from me than it would coming from my brother. Uh, so I told her, and, and of course, at that point, I think she's kind of at a loss. What do you do with kids that are as crazy? And uh, anyways, she called the pastor and he came over and he sat with me and together he and I worked to fix that door. I'm going to tell you, the body of Christ is supposed to be there for one another, and we need each other. We need to be connected to one another because there will be times that come up where we cannot do it on our own, but we can if we have someone else to walk alongside us, and that's what the body of Christ is intended to do. One other area of connecting, and this is going to be a focus throughout the year, God did not put us in this place to simply take up space. God put us here to connect with the community around us, to make a difference in the lives of people who do not yet know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. For some of you in your workplaces, you have incredible opportunities. There are doors that you can open, that God can open for you, and you can walk through it, but I could not because of the role that I'm in. Every one of us has a role in connecting the body of Christ to the world around us. And we have this great privilege to be a part of that. We're going to focus a lot on this area of connecting over the next 12 months. Uh, we'll use some symbolism a little bit later. We are going to specifically use these Legos. In fact, before you leave today, each of you will receive at least one Lego. You can even get two if you really want to. So um, that is the plan this morning. So... Um, as we look at connecting, I want us to take a look at uh, what it is that connects us to one another first today. Obviously, the centerpiece of our faith is found in Jesus Christ. He was a part of the creation story, and from that moment forward, he has always been involved with humanity. That being said, what he did in the 33 and a half years that he spent living on earth changed everything. He took a group of unruly, very prideful, and sometimes ignorant men, and he connected with them. He connected them to each other, but he also gave them the opportunity to connect with him. Over the next three plus years, he would pour into them, and they would be transformed into world changers. Later on, after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, it would be John and Peter who are going to the temple one day, and they end up being arrested. They have been proclaiming the good news of Christ. They actually have healed a man in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter and John, because they did so not, it wasn't that they healed the man, but they did so in the name of Jesus Christ. The religious ruling council have them arrested. And in their assessment of Peter and John, they come to this conclusion. 
They knew that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. All of the disciples would experience a transformation simply because they had been with Jesus. How did it happen? It happened because they saw Jesus for who he really was. They were with him night and day. They heard him speak. They saw him love the unlovely. They witnessed the power of an almighty God who could take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people. They saw an almighty God who could command the wind and the waves to stop, who could even walk on the waves. They saw that he was truly who he claimed to be. Then they saw this incredible being who willingly was sent to a cross to die, although he had done nothing wrong. And then to cap it all off, the same Jesus whom they knew was dead, and they knew he was dead because they saw him die, yet then they would see him again. Can you understand why perhaps they were truly transformed? These were people who knew that Jesus was more than some concept. He was more than some idea. To them, he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To them, they knew that he was real. One of the first things that Jesus says to his disciples following the resurrection is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Sometimes we refer to this as the Great Commission. It was Jesus clarifying for his disciples that this is what I expect you to do with what I have given you. This is my plan for you. As I read it to you this morning, I encourage you to know that this calling, this plan that was intended for the disciples is just as much intended for you today. Listen to the words of Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. His instruction is that we go and we make disciples. Well, there are so many questions that arise out of this short passage, and they're questions that we must answer. Unfortunately, I must confess that maybe we haven't been as good at answering these questions as we should have been in the past. So I want to at least answer two of these questions for us. The first one, we are to go and make disciples. So the question needs to be asked, what is a disciple? The standard definition of a disciple is someone who adheres to the teaching of another. It is a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else applied to Christ. A disciple is someone who learns from him and lives like him. Someone who, because of God's grace, conforms his or her words and ways to the words and ways of Christ. In other words, disciples of Jesus are themselves little Christ. We become a reflection of him. The Gospels give us the clearest portrait of Christ in this life on earth. And if we really want to know what it means to be his disciples, the Gospels are likely where we should start. 
In particular, John's gospel shows us at least two perspectives on what it means to follow Christ. Each patterned after Christ himself. Building off of John's profile, we would say that a disciple of Jesus is first of all a worshiper and second a servant. I want to look at those two with you for a moment. Fundamentally, we need to understand that to follow Christ means we must worship him, and and this is a term that's very important, exclusively. This is at the heart of Jesus' ministry on earth. As he told the woman at the well, the Father is seeking true worshipers, those who worship him in spirit and in truth, which means, as it did in her case, we shouldn't be so quick to change the subject. In the situation there with the woman at the well, uh, he has this encounter with her that seems so random, but there is nothing random about the encounter. Jesus planned on meeting with that woman there on that particular day, and Jesus begins to talk with her, and every time he begins to talk with her really about who she really was, she wanted to change the subject. She wanted to talk about other things. Well, where do you say we should worship? What what do you think? And there are all these other questions that, that are coming up. And what she's doing is she's trying to talk about everything else. She doesn't want to talk about the fact that she is an immoral woman who is desperately in need of a Savior, which Jesus Christ is the one who can do that for her. Far too many of us want to change the subject and we want to talk about other things rather than to talk about who Jesus Christ is and what we desperately need in our lives. There are things that are going on in our lives right now and we've just resigned ourselves to those things that that's just the way it's going to be and I just need to deal with it when in reality God says, no, I came to set you free. I came to deliver you. I came to make you whole. I came to take that which is broken and to fix it. But for far too many of us, we have just accepted it as being the way it is. So then when we begin to talk about Jesus Christ, all we want to do is to change the subject. We want to talk about denominations, and we want to talk about uh, church buildings, and we want to talk about all these different aspects that they're all on the peripheral aspect of Christianity. When Jesus is saying to us, but I want to talk about your heart. I want to talk about whether or not you are right with God above all else. I want to talk about where sin has controlled your life, and I want to set you free. Jesus Christ came to deliver his people because he loves us that much. If we are to follow Jesus, we will worship him. We won't get caught up in all of the junk, all of the other stuff. We will worship him. And I'll tell you, the greatest form of worship is imitation. Keep in mind that our society is very open to the idea of worship toward Jesus Christ. Some of you guys are thinking, no, I don't think our world is. But in reality, they are. The issue arises when we talk about exclusive worship. Lots of people are cool with Jesus, at least their notion of him. And even following the ways of Jesus. Jesus, the moral teacher. Jesus, the nice guy. Jesus, the judge not lest you be judged, motivational speaker. That Jesus is everybody's friend. But that is not the real Jesus. I'm not saying that there aren't elements of him in those statements, but Jesus is so much more. You see, Jesus 
has offered us redemption, but it was a redemption that came at a great price. Because of that, he does have high expectations for his people. We are called to worship him exclusively, making him the thing that satisfies us. To follow Jesus, to be his disciple, doesn't mean community involvement or the mask of tolerance that we see pushed in our society today. It means to worship him with everything that we are, all of us. The second part of being disciple is not just to be a worshiper, but also to be a servant. John shows, John shows another picture for us, in, specifically in John chapter 13, of Jesus. And basically, if we are to worship him at this time, in John 13, we see him doing some incredible things. He is kneeling before his disciples. Jesus has gathered his disciples together. It's their last time that they will really come together as one unit before the crucifixion will take place. Their conversations that night were very prideful and arrogant. The disciples argue about which one is the greatest. At times, they seem to almost want to argue with Jesus about the coming crucifixion. And in the midst of all of it, Jesus gets down on his knees in front of his disciples and he begins to wash the feet of these men. Remember, we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, washing their feet. First of all, I don't like washing people's feet today. That's not really my thing. I don't like feet so much. Uh, imagine in their day. They didn't necessarily have shoes and socks the way we do. Most of them wore sandals. They didn't ride in cars. They often walked through the streets. And other things that walk through the streets include camels and donkeys. And those animals tend to drop things. Do you really want to wash the feet of someone who's walked through all that? Probably not. Yet Jesus gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. What an incredible act of servanthood. We're talking about Jesus and this one that we should worship exclusively. Consider how backwards this image is. If anyone should have been washing feet, it should have been the disciples coming to Jesus and washing his feet, yet nobody offered to do so until Jesus begins to wash their feet. Seems really backwards. It's not really that backward, though, when you consider who Jesus really was, because Jesus didn't come necessarily to be served, but he came to serve others. He says in John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. He said earlier in verse 14 and 15, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. In other words, in order to truly be a disciple of Christ, you must have the heart of a servant. I read to you a verse there from verse 34 where he talks about this new commandment, this commandment to love one another. It's not so much a new point regarding this issue of servanthood, but it more defines why we serve. It's because we love the people whom God has blessed us with. 
The people around you today, they are people that you are intended to build relationships with, to love alongside. Uh, There'll be times that they are broken and you get to be the one to help fix. You become God's tool to help that individual through a great struggle. There'll be times that they will help you. But the point is, we do it because we love each other. We want to help those who are in need. Now, the next question that arises, not only what is a disciple, but how do we make disciples. Actually, if you go back to our original passage here in Matthew chapter 28, there's even a roadmap for us. There's a path for us. If we will simply do these things, it will enable us as the body of Christ to truly make disciples that God calls us to make. The first thing that we're told to do is to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, as we look at that, there are multiple reasons for baptism. There are certainly uh, good arguments as to why an individual should be baptized. First of all, to follow Christ's example. Christ himself was baptized. He was preparing for ministry. As he was preparing for ministry, he comes upon, and again, not so random, he comes upon John the Baptist who is baptizing individuals. And as he approaches them, he himself chooses to be baptized. We're actually told that we should go and do the same thing. In fact, we consider this one of the, uh, one of the, uh, oh my goodness, sacraments. That's the word I'm looking for. We consider this one of the sacraments. One of the things that all those who are in the body of Christ ought to do at some point is to be baptized. So uh, Jesus was a great example. It's also a great example of what we see happening early in the, the days of the church. Philip one day is ministering and finds himself out on a road where there is an Ethiopian eunuch who is riding along the road, reading from a passage of scripture. God instructs him to go over close to the, the chariot. And of course, Philip goes over and he hears him reading and he begins to ask questions. Hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? The guy says, how can anyone understand it? And Philip gets up in the chariot with him, and then he begins to take him through the Scripture, starting with where he was at that point in the Scripture, and telling the story of Jesus Christ. By the time the story is over, this Ethiopian who has been on this journey really to find God, he says to Philip, here is a body of water. What is there to keep me from being baptized right now? And in that moment, Philip baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch into the body of Christ. There is a symbolic element within the act of baptism. We know that when an individual is saved, it's not by the water. In fact, it's just ordinary. when we do it, it's just ordinary water. It came out of the tap. Uh, There's nothing extraordinary about it. We don't have to put some special oil in there that makes it somehow more holy than the water that you get out of your sink. But the purpose of an individual being baptized, one of the purposes is to symbolize the cleansing that God has done in you and me. Uh, when, When I prayed and asked God to redeem me, he took my dead sinful body and he made me alive in him. He took away the sin, and basically, when I got done praying that day, I knew that God had done a mighty work in me. And the same thing is true for each one of us. The moment we repent of our sins, God takes our filth and he cleanses us. And there is a symbolic 
image that is here within the act of baptism. Some would say it's even symbolic of the grave. As Jesus was sent into the grave, then three days later he came back out and he was alive again. I would suggest there is one other purpose, and this is the one that will connect with us, specifically with what we're talking about here. Often when an individual is baptized, it creates an opportunity for the rest of the body of Christ to be reminded of a day when we too were baptized. We had made a covenant between us and God, and we had made a choice that we were going to live for him. And in many ways, we were testifying to the world that I am now a part of the body of Christ. I'm not the same person I was. I was dead, and today I am alive. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the covenants that we made. And what happens in baptism is we all basically recognize that we are going through the same rite of passage that others have. We connect with one another because they too have been baptized and we can relate to them and understand what they have been through. The second thing that we see in this passage is that we are to teach them to obey the apostles to obey. Uh, and actually, as we talk about teaching them to obey, we see really four different areas where this comes into play. First of all, with the apostles' teaching. What are we talking about the apostles' teaching? First of all, we're talking about the disciples. Uh, remember, we're talking about what is a disciple. There were 12 individuals who they served as disciples. Later on, we refer to them as apostles. But here we are, we are taught basically to obey the apostles' teaching. These disciples' teaching, why are we obeying their teaching? They, in many ways, become a reflection of Jesus. Jesus is only there for three and a half years, so what happens after Jesus is crucified? Those who had been with him begin to share their experience, God's teaching, to rejoice over what he had taught and to challenge people so that they could be made different as well. The New Testament church, they wanted so much to know what Jesus said. They didn't just want somebody else's ideas. They wanted to know what Jesus said. So sure, there were some good religious teachers out there, but they wanted to know what the apostles said because the apostles had been with Jesus. They could tell them firsthand experience. This is what happened. We have the word of God, which gives us the privilege of knowing what God said and what he did and the love that he has for us. I want to challenge you today. If you are truly going to be a disciple of Christ, you must get to know what the word of God actually says. The only way that we will ever become a reflection of him is to know who he is, to know Jesus Christ personally, and then to allow him to begin to transform who we are. We need to know what the word of God says specifically about our God. We also need to fellowship. Within the New Testament church, there was a sense of community that existed automatically within the people, perhaps because it was a, a group of people that was being oppressed. Uh, the church began to scatter at the stoning of Stephen, and people went all over the place to their own hometowns for fear for their lives, but it created a sense of community among those who were following Christ because they had this intimacy with one another. They could challenge each other. They could encourage each other. They could protect each other. They could simply love each other. Fellowship became incredibly important to those who are in the body of Christ. And I would suggest to you today that it should still be important to us. You see, far too many of us have tried to isolate ourselves as if this journey is just between me and God. 
But in reality, God has given us a great support system, and we call it the church. We have family members who, and we need to be pushing each other. We need to be encouraging one another. We need the church. A third thing that we see encouraged happening within the body of Christ, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. When we talk about the breaking of bread, there are two applications that come into play. First one is associated with this idea of fellowship. They didn't just come and hang out. They ate together. Now, how many of you guys like to eat together? Most of us like, actually, how many of you guys just like to eat? Uh, most of us like to eat. We enjoy being together. If, you, if we have an event where there's food, I can almost guarantee you there is about a 20% increase in attendance just because there's going to be food. People like to eat. But there's a much greater element here with the breaking of bread. You see, Jesus, as he met with his disciples on that last night, he used bread and wine as a model for them. It represented something else. I know those are just ordinary things. That's a part of a normal meal. In fact, every meal in their culture, you would have had bread and wine as a part of that meal. But in this particular instance, he says, this bread represents my body that is broken for you. This wine represents my blood that is shed for you. And what he is doing in that moment is he is taking these common, ordinary things and he's telling them, I want you to eat together, but when you do, I want you to remember me. I want you to know what I did for you. What is it that gives you a sense of commonality, a sense of community? It is the fact that every one of you has been redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. He allowed his body to be broken for you and his blood to be shed for you. So when it talks about the breaking of bread, it's not just so you can kind of enjoy a meal together. It's so that you can remember what Jesus Christ had done for you. And tell you the truth, if they ever forget what he did, then they just become a community of good people. I wonder if at times our society and our culture hasn't become just that. Where we like the idea of us becoming good people who maybe even reflect the character of God. We want to be able to do good things. We want people to love each other and to be tolerant of each other. But we no longer remember that this is really about a Savior who allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for us. May that never happen to the body of Christ. May we always be those who remember the last thing that we see here is they devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, but also to prayer. One of the greatest ways that you can support one another is to pray for one another. And one of the greatest way that, ways that you can experience intimacy in the body of Christ is to pray specifically to God, specifically for the people around you. And you don't you don't understand how important it is and how valuable it is to an individual who's going through crisis to know that there's someone who is praying for them. You guys know that I um, get to do some chaplain stuff, and I, I really enjoy being able to be with the Clemson Police Department. And uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to, to go and do a ride-along. Uh, normally I, I get there a little bit later, so there's one particular unit that works the night shift, and they all know me very well. Uh, I got there earlier yesterday. I got there at 4 o'clock, so I was there long enough where I was even able to show up for their briefing, which 
combines the unit from the afternoon with the evening one. So I go into the briefing area and they're getting ready to get started. And one of the guys is, uh, he's language deficient, I would say. He is, uh, uh, some would say he was speaking French. I wasn't really familiar with that version of French. Um, anyways, the point was he was cursing a lot. And he's going on and on about this incident where there was this woman who kept saying she was going to pray for him. And there's no way that that kind of prayer is going to do any good. In fact, he, he actually makes a statement, prayer doesn't matter. And then now, he's used the F word at least five times while I'm sitting there, and he stops himself. He says, oh, I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to talk that way in front of normal citizens. I said, well, I'm going to make you as uncomfortable as possible today because it's more than that. I'm actually the chaplain. <laughs> and you can see all of a sudden he just sinks down into his chair. Uh, by the way, the guys from the night shift, they're laughing. They think it's the funniest thing in the world. But what I want you to know is we live in a world that questions the power of prayer today. We live in a world that questions whether prayer really makes a difference. And I'm telling you today, it does. When I'm going through a crisis, it means the world to me to know that there are other people that are praying for me. When families are struggling it makes such a big difference to know that someone is praying for them. I want to encourage you as the body of Christ to pray for one another and pray and seek God's face. Pray that God would move in such a way. Maybe he would empower you to be a part of fixing the problem. Maybe he would open up a door for someone else to come along. But the best place to put the needs in that moment is in his hands so that he can take that which is broken and fix it. What will all of this look like in a practical sense? First of all, we as the church must be a church that will truly connect to Christ. We need to know Christ better. When 2019 rolls around, I want every person who is in here to be able to declare that I know Christ better today than I did a year ago. I want to know so much about God to, today so that tomorrow my life will be completely different but it has to begin with an intentionality. We must be intentionally seeking Him. And as we do, what will happen is we will be transformed. But it begins with us truly connecting with Him. That means spending time in prayer. Some of you today need to pray and ask that He would forgive you of sin. That He would start over afresh and anew to take that which is broken and make it whole so that you can become a disciple. One who would not just go through the motions, not just take on the title of a disciple, but one who would live like a disciple. One who is transformed by Him. Maybe that means you will worship Him exclusively for the first time. Maybe that means that you will serve with a heart of love because of what He did for you and because of the people that God has blessed you with point is, some of us need to start over today and we need to connect to Christ. Some of us will need to develop a connection with the body of Christ. For some of us, we have not really been committed to a church. We go to church because it's what we're supposed to do. We maybe even tithe when the offering plate is passed. But in reality, there is little connection to those who are around us. We like Sunday morning. There was a time that church was much more than what happened on Sunday morning. But what happens is we have our Sunday morning experience, and then we go about our lives, and we come back next Sunday, and we do it all over again. 
Well, the reality is we are called to connect to one another, which means that it's not just what happens on Sunday. There are things that we go through throughout the week, and it helps us to know that there are others who are there with us. I want to encourage you today to be connected to the body of Christ, to truly be a people that we don't just go through the motions, but we are one. When one celebrates, we all celebrate. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one needs financial assistance, we're all there to pick them up. I know we don't want to admit that that's us, that we need anything, but the truth is all of us need each other. So I want to challenge you. Maybe for you, you need to get connected. The door is open for you. I told you we're going to use Legos as kind of a symbol of the church for the year moving forward. And as a part of that, um, I have had one of the individuals in the church, actually husband and wife, this is heavy, so I'm not going to do it one-handed like I thought I was there. Um, they have made a board here, and it simply has the word connect that is laid out on this board. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do is to consider whether or not you truly want to be connected to the body of Christ, uh, specifically even here. Uh, I, I want this to be a church where it feels like home, where you feel like, you know what, I am in the presence of God. This is where I need to be. This is what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I will tell you that maybe not everybody is at that point today, and it's okay. Um, I told you everyone will receive Legos when you leave here today. Um, if you would like to take one of the Legos that you get, I'm going to give you two of them. If you want to take one of them and you want to put it on that board to help basically fill in the word connect, we would love for you to do that. We're going to use this throughout the year kind of as a symbol of us being one, us being brought together as one particular unit. If, if, if you want to be a part of that, that's awesome. Actually, I think we've got some Sharpie markers that will be outside. If you want to put your initials on it just to say, hey, this is me, and I'm connected to this church, that's awesome. If you want to take it home and you want to pray, Lord, is this really where you want me? Is this what you want me to do? Awesome. Take it home with you. I think that's a fantastic idea. Pray about whether or not God really wants you in this particular body. I'm telling you, though, if you're going to be a part of this church, I want you to be connected. Don't just go through the motions of church. It's so easy for us to just slip through the cracks of church, and I don't want anyone doing that. I want you to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, I have a group of people that are out in the foyer today, and they are going to hand out these Legos to you guys as you walk out there. This sign will be out there, so you can put the Legos on the board if you would like. But before we do that, I feel like I need to just pray with you guys for a minute. Is that okay? Father, let's pray. As we come before you today, I pray that you would be honored. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for what you have done for us to transform who we are. Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness of sins that you have made possible, knowing that it's not by our goodness that we are saved, but you have redeemed us simply because you loved us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Lord, I pray right now that, first of all, we would connect with you. Lord, I pray that you would allow us as the body of Christ to experience you intimately, to know who you are, to know your love for us. And I pray that you would challenge us so that truly we would become a reflection of you. Lord, help us to know you so well that we could finish your sentences for you. Lord, help us to think the same way that you think and to act the same way that you act. Lord, I pray that truly we would be connected with you. 
I also pray that you would help us to connect with one another. There are people sitting all around us today who need your grace and need your comfort. They need your strength. Lord, I pray that you would use us to help bring that to them. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be connected to a body of believers so that we would do life together, that we would grow together and challenge each other, and that as we reach that point where one day we will all enter into your presence, we will do so knowing that there are many others who have come along with us. Lord, I pray that you would work in us to transform us using the people of God around us. Lord, help us to be connected to you and to this body. Lord, we believe today that if we truly become the people that you created us to be, that you will in turn give us the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other people. Lord, I pray that you would use us in whatever way you see fit. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for what you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. That board that you just saw up here is actually out in the foyer, and um, these Legos, not just these ones, there's a bunch of other ones that are out there, are going to be out there. I really want to challenge you to take this serious. It's not just a random act that we do. I really want you as the body of Christ to, to grow together and to be God's instrument to change the world around us. So thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace. If you would, stop by and grab a couple Legos.